Hello, everyone. I am Marco Germinario. And this is Alessandro Maccarini. And this is Supernova, a podcast about the things we don't know. So, Alessandro, yesterday I saw Indiana Jones. Wow. The good old movie, you know. And I thought, I mean, it's still good. I still like it. But then I was thinking, how is the life or how is the real life of a real archaeologist? Yeah, that's actually a good question because we think that maybe it's just uh, traveling and uh, having these uh, wild adventures. But is it really like that? So let's ask Solvay Schandese Clausen. She is a PhD student in archaeology at University of Bergen in Norway. Hello, Solvay. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes. So you were talking about Indiana Jones. Yes. Do you like it? Absolutely not. Actually, it's very funny because a lot of archaeology students, they actually start studying archaeology because they have watched Indiana Jones. And I watched it in 2019 with my uh, colleagues and I fell asleep to each movie. (laughs) And yeah, for me, he's absolutely not the real archaeologist and he destroys everything. And yeah, he's absolutely wrong. So I mean, but you didn't like it because it's uh, it's boring or because it's really completely different than what the real life of an archaeologist is. I think both for me. Uh, but yeah, of course, it's very different. And people imagine us, you know, being explorers. And, and usually we do very boring stuff and very repetitive things. But it's true that there are some archaeologists that walk around with, you know, the typical Indiana Jones hat, um, especially on excavation. So it, it's a style, I would say, yes, still Okay, there is the style. So, but it was definitely not the reason why you started to, stu- to study archaeology. No, I don't know why I started, but I know when I was little, I was um, we were living in the south of France in a stone house, and I was picking all the snails off the walls. And my mother, I was like four, I think, and my mother thinks it's at this point that I started having a passion for archaeology because, yeah, we like looking at stuff and we like you know very small stuff interesting Uh, that's really our thing or at least mine so yeah i was also collecting uh, shells on the beach and all that so i think it started like this more the connection to the earth in in some kind of way Oh, I think it's very impressive that you really remember the moment. Where, where, I don't know if it's you that remember or your mom that remember, but uh, that you really remember the moment where you first started to, to like this uh, field. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, I started archaeology by going on excavation. So I hadn't started my studies and I went digging in the south of France. Yeah. And that was amazing. I, I, I think it was like when I was little and finding my snails, it was precisely the same, very small things and sitting in your little square meter and digging with your small tool. So yeah, that was the very romanticized version of archaeology, of course. But it's very, a very different field. Now I'm more doing, yeah, I'm doing a PhD. So I'm more sitting behind a computer, but I also go around and look at artifacts. So you have actually very different approaches to archaeology. You can be 
one that is all the time on excavation, um, or you can be like a more like a teacher at university or a researcher. And I actually like the combination of everything. I think I'm not totally a, an office archaeologist. I like doing stuff also, like experiments and collecting raw materials for doing copies of artifacts and, and things like that. Okay. So since you're four years old, you never changed your mind about be being an archaeologist. I mean, you never had any second thoughts I actually started uh, art history, but uh, it very quickly became archaeology. Uh, I think I like the dirty stuff. Yeah, it's uh, yeah because it's so uh, practical. Also, it really combines the more uh, literary things, a lot of reflection and theories, but also being practical and going out in dirty clothes and uh, digging in the rain, or you know, being stuck in a post hole and not being able to get up because you're completely uh, swallowed in mud or you know all these things very practical things that are really enjoyable um, and when I was digging for a museum in Denmark before I got the PhD every morning I was leaving Copenhagen to go to the museum and I had these orange worker clothes on like at six in the morning in the metro and actually all these worker guys they were like a looking at me and saying, because my father was like a, a worker, you know, a girl. And yeah, it's funny because we are sometimes in the limit. What are we? Are we scholars or are we more like workers? Because when you go out digging all the day, you're absolutely much more someone that just, yeah, uses your body a lot. Of course, you reflect also, but um, yeah, we do very practical stuff also. Doing this uh, practical stuff, uh, being the dirt, you know, working... Uh hard and the cold and the mud so what is the spark that turns you on doing this it is maybe that you get in contact with the past that that's the the, the connect the things that uh, you know the special thing or yes it's really um yeah finding the remains of, of people and uh, yeah we all have our favorite periods for me is the stone age stone age um, so yes But finding remains of people, what is the interesting thing is that because you see that people existed before our time? Yeah, but we know that they existed before our time, but it's um, having, I think it's being the first ones to excavate something that hasn't been used for thousands of years and you're the first one taking it out of the ground. I think that's really fantastic in a way because that's the closest way you can get to what people were doing uh, in the past and yeah for me my absolute favorite find was the excavation on Feynman in uh, in Denmark the junction that they're doing between Denmark and Germany where we were actually digging a fish fence from the stone age and it was around 6,000 between 6,000-4,000 years old So you had actually a wooden structure that we were digging up. And that's amazing because usually it is never preserved. And we also had between those, so this fence had, of course, collapsed. And we actually had um, human, not, not the feet, but the imprints of the people that have been going to this fence and possibly repaired it. So we had the imprints of their feet in the, in the sand. And that was, uh, yeah, that is amazing, I think. A, fit, a sort of a ghost of the past that was an imprint of a ghost that was still there. 
Precisely, yeah. We also had the imprints from uh, cows also on the beach, and that's also amazing. So you, we could see that they possibly had shipped on logboats the cows from Germany to Denmark. And that is also amazing, I think. So basically, archaeology is uh, you get some traces from, from the past and you reconstruct how life was, uh, how the sociology, the psychology, how everything was around, just from some traces, from imprints, from fences. That, that's archaeology. It's a little bit like physics. You know, I'm a physicist, you know, that... Uh, That's what we do. We, we measure particles and then we try to reconstruct in how the theories governs the movement of these particles. But you work with the past, actually. Yes. So, of course, everything that we put on is an interpretation. But, uh, yeah, it's still trying to get closer to these people. And that's what I do also with my PhD. I try to yeah, interpret all those small traces that are left. But how do people know where to dig? I mean, so if uh, if you are a, an archaeologist and how, how do you decide that, okay, I want to dig in this area because I, I believe that here I can find uh, things from, from uh, yeah, the Romans time or something like that. So how did you really decide where to dig? Uh, that is very different and it, it depends on whether there is a building project or not. Because, uh, for example, in Denmark, the archaeology is very reliant on building projects. So Every time there will be a construction somewhere, there will be a preliminary investigation of the area. And if there are some finds, there will be an excavation before the actual construction. We also know from maps, for example, for Stone Age sites, that there will be a tendency to find certain uh, settlements in certain areas, for example, coastal areas, because we know how the coast has evolved. So we will specifically look there. And also there are a lot of sites, I'm thinking southern France, all the caves that have been discovered in the late uh, 19th century and that have been excavated also more recently because you never excavate a whole site. So if it's not destroyed, people in the future can come back and dig another in another area, for example. Okay, so it's mainly, I mean, at least in Denmark, it's mainly related to building constructions. Yes, because that's where it's a question of money. Of yeah. yeah, of course, it's more efficient if you do two things at the same time. Yeah, yeah it makes yes. sense. So they're also very much quicker than the other ones where you can, for example, come in different, uh, come back each season, for example, and dig a little more. Yeah. And uh, what is that you like so much in the Stone Age? What is your favorite? I think it's because it's so um, primitive in the good sense, because it's, it's a period that's far away. It's the furthest away from us. So it's, we have uh, fewer remnants from those periods. And I like that it's concentrated on very few uh, materials that we have. I mean, we have a lot of flint and some bones and sometimes also wooden artifacts or uh, more impressive things. But I, I like that it's um, actually very close to nature in a way, or it's really our roots. I mean, we were during a very long time period in the Stone Age, right? And we, we are still Stone Age people. Which period is that? Oh, but that goes from Lucy to the end of the Neolithic, which it depends on the areas in the world. But in Denmark, it would be around 2000 uh, before Christ. And when is uh, Lucy? Lucy... 
Well, now I need to think about the date, but I think it's 2.5 million years ago. Okay, it's a very long period. Yeah, if you count that, that was the hominin evolution. But if you come from Homo sapiens, the earliest we have is 300,000 in, um, yeah, 200,000 in uh, Morocco sapiens. But that was Neanderthal before, and so it's very complicated. Yeah, so the Stone Age was a, if you could define very, you know, simply, I mean, what was the difference in the characteristic? Oh, that's very difficult because even within the Stone Age, it's, uh, yeah, different periods. But I would say it's, as it's called, is the reliance on artifacts made of stone because there was no metal at this point. So people were making uh, knives and arrowheads and all kinds of artifacts out of uh, flint, for example, or other types of stones. You can do from obsidian or uh, shirts, quartz, things like that. And they were also using bone as a material also and all the organic materials. And it was, especially if we think about this period, it was mainly a hunter-gatherer period. So it was a completely different societal structure from today. I think that's what is very interesting, that people were relying a lot on hunting and fishing. And then at the end of the Stone Age, there's agriculture, but people were still a lot also relying on, on hunting and fishing. So they were nomads? Depending on the periods, yes. Okay. Mostly, yeah. And when you say that, you know, you find some remnants of people or animals... I guess you have some uh, models, you know, how the remnants are in order to figure out uh, how the people were, the origin and so on. So do you study remnants of people as well or? Um, no, I don't study uh, human skeletons. I study artifacts, objects that are made from animal bones or some of them may be made from human, but uh, if they are very transformed, you cannot see it. But uh, yeah, I... I I mostly study bones from animals that have been transformed. So I, for example, have uh, some bone points that have been used as arrowheads or artifacts used to work, for example, skins, uh, things like that. Or harpoons, for example, that you can use to go to shoot uh, sea mammals. Yeah, um, all, all types of stuff. So you have bones uh, also everywhere, also in your home, or uh, was it just a yes. idea of a few? Ah, you have, okay. Yes, so I'm very obsessed with bones because, of course, it's my project. So if uh, I can always use bones, so I'm like a bone collector. And I've, yeah, and the thing is, when you work bones to make tools, your bone needs to be very fresh. Okay. Because the more fresh it is, the better your tool will be and it will hold in time. So when I get fresh bones, usually there's flesh or sinews on them and I my freezer is not big enough to have them all. So I have to decompose them the right way. So I've developed a whole strategy where I have this plastic bowl where I put some earth in it. The best is also to have some um, worms because they eat everything. And then I put my bones and I cover that and I put a lot of water so they don't uh, dry out. And then the worms will eat all the flesh and I keep that usually in my apartment <laughs> and make it cleaned. Um, yeah, so that's how I do it. And I think I've traumatized my uh, mother and my grandmother for life because uh, last year I had to get uh, bison bones and I had flown back to Norway already. 
So actually my mom and my grandmother had to get them, but it was actually the lower legs. So there were the hooves and the skin on. And, you know, bison, it's quite big. So and they nearly had a shock when, when they saw them. And I had told them not to be shocked, but they were shocked. Yes, so they, I had told them to take a huge plastic uh, container, put some dirt in it, put the, the legs and close everything completely airtight and I would take care of it. And they were completely out of their mind and, and so stressed about it and afraid. And, and it's quite funny because it, they eat meat, right? So they shouldn't be disgusted because it's only bison legs. So if you eat beef, you shouldn't be afraid of bison legs. And that's also why I like uh, working with bones because it's a little disgusting. And it reminds people that actually the steak you are eating, it comes from a real animal and you actually should be able to kill it, should be able to part it and uh, cut everything and then you can eat it. Because I think we are too used to having meat in a you know, plastic uh, container and not knowing anything. You should back to your regions yeah. if you're not a vegan. Yeah. So my bison legs they were decomposing and I had to clean them and it was absolutely disgusting. Like the, 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 the hairs had fallen off and it was extremely smelly, but I'm so used to it that my nostrils, they automatically shut down. So I don't breathe and I just clean it. And uh, yeah, that was it. I had the uh, bison legs. Cool. And then mother and grandmother are traumatized. Perfect. Yes, they still talk about it and they will not do it again. And then uh, out of this, you start to make your artifacts? Yes. Okay. You 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 made all the process these the people from the Stone Age did you did it in your home basically. Yeah, because we think they were mainly using fresh bones because it's way easier to make things out of them. So of course they dry out with time. But uh, yeah, they were mainly using fresh bone, I think. I think probably Indiana Jones will faint. I mean, if you saw your, your process. I mean, I, I have the feeling that you're stronger than Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm fainting at what he's doing. He's destroying everything. I'm trying to like build something. <laughs> and so what is your specialty? What you're writing your PhD about? So I'm writing about bone artifacts from the, the first agricultural people in Denmark. So there was there were hunter-gatherers that were living in southern Scandinavia and at some point there were influxes from the south with people that were coming and had the agricultural knowledge and they came with new tools and I'm trying to understand what is the relationship between the last hunter-gatherers and the first farmers and how the bone tools from the farmers evolved and what they were using them for. So I have a lot of tools that, that show traces from use and I'm trying to find out what these traces can tell me about those tools. I mean, usually, so the archaeologist work, you, you, I believe that you collaborate also with other people. So with uh, maybe some uh, people expert in history or so I believe it's really like a, a collaboration work, especially to find out, to connect uh, an object to the history behind that and to, to understand how people lived in the past. So, yeah. So I believe it's uh, like a collaboration work most of the time, probably. Yes. Uh, both yes and no. I would say a PhD is very much 
huge load of work that you need to carry out by yourself. Yeah, yeah, that for, for sure. I know, yes, I also did a PhD, so I know that it's like a individual work, but I, I think I was wondering mainly about the, the archaeologist type. Uh, so yeah, but probably you also have the background. I mean, during your studies, maybe you also did a lot of studies in history and this kind of uh, thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's a mix of different uh, disciplines. Yes, definitely. And uh, I'm in contact with a lot of researchers and having help from people that do, for example, zoo, zoo archaeology which is the study of animal bones, uh, non-worked. So I'd like to cooperate with these also in, in the future projects. And we have a research group that is happening. And yeah, so there's a lot of cooperation. And I think, think it's the way to go. Um, also, when I study a site and I focus on my bones, but there are also potteries and flints, it's really annoying for me to try to generate knowledge from all these bone artifacts but no one has looked at the rest so yeah it's definitely uh, also trying to set project up and and try to find the people you want to collaborate with also in the future yes Definitely. I guess you have your own small collection of bones, but I also I think uh, you have to ask other people if you can see their own collection, right? Yes. So are they always keen to show you their own collections or how things uh, are they very private or, or in more in general, you know, when everyone is on collection? Yeah, I think generally the, the museums are good with opening their collections. Uh, it needs a lot of diplomatic work and a lot of emails and them trusting you and you trusting them so yeah and sometimes there are some artifacts that are not found or things like that yeah funny things happening but uh, generally it's it's okay and i would think you know indiana jones is a man is uh, a female archaeologist life as easy as a male archaeologist life or, or is a little bit more challenging mm. I think it depends on the country you are living in. For me, it's not a problem because it's been mainly Denmark and Norway, which are very egalitarian on that point of view. So, yeah, it has not been a problem for me. Or, yeah, on excavation, it's also doing okay if there's something that uh, is too heavy or anything. For me, I will ask for help. Or, uh, But I think it's a good complementarity between women and men because we have also different interests and you know a lot of men now it's a generality but uh, there is a tendency for men to like uh, flint and inequality in shiny stuff where we women we like to look at more domestic things or textiles or bone tools that have been used for domestic things so I think it's uh, it's good to actually have have women looking at at those uh, things but of course, it's a huge generality and it's changing a lot. During the ratio of men and women in uh, archaeology? or I think here it's 50-50. Cool. I think it depends on the country, of course, but Norway and Denmark are very fine on, on it. And uh, you've never worked with the Egyptian things, with the pyramids and this kind I mean, because when you think about archaeology, that's probably the first thing that everybody thinks about, right? You never had anything to do with the Egyptian uh, archaeologists. I know people working on that, but I haven't, no. Yeah, it's the typical thing. I can say I've uh, excavated in very nice uh, French caves next to ornamented uh, caves, you know, for example, next to Peshmerl, which is one of the famous ornamented uh, caves in France. But uh, no, it's not all the time super sexy. <laughs> so it is very fragmented. Yes. 
Do you believe that at some point we will find some artifacts that will uh, tell us that something really happened in the past that we didn't expect that happened? Something really revolutionary. Do you believe that at some point some archaeologists will, will find some uh, really special artifact? I think we find them all the time. Uh, I think it depends on what you call revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's something really like breaking through the, the history that we know. Yeah, um, I've had people talking to me also about like a little bit more like conspiracy like about the, some sites and, you know, there are some things going on. And I think for us archaeologists, okay, yeah, of course, we like to find exceptional things, but um, I wouldn't go for revolutionary things. I think... Uh, Archaeology is very empirical and we all put a very small stone on things. And what I consider as an, an incredible find will not be considered as incredible for someone else. Yeah. So I think it really depends. And ah, actually, do you do you think that archaeology is, is that a science? It's a social science. Social science, even if okay. I would say. I think we are still very we are humanists. And of course, we have a lot of influx or influences from all the so-called so-called uh, hard sciences like uh, DNA and biology. And we do a lot of projects with these people or even having a C14 date, you need the laboratory to do that. But um, yeah, I think it's really a mix between... Yeah, exactly. I, I was also thinking about that right now, that it's really a good mix be between this, uh, what people call soft sciences and hard sciences. So you need to know both aspects of uh, yeah, both things. So it's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Solveig, what is the thing that uh, you figure out about the past that really, really surprised you? And you thought, oh my God, everyone should know about that, if there is something, you know? I don't know if I have one thing. I think I just, uh, I'm militating a lot to show that the people were not in the past, were not stupid. And actually they were thriving and not just surviving. And yeah, they were making clothes, uh, clothes. They were not walking around naked and they were living in rock shelters, not in like deep caves and they had a very developed social system like all these things i'm so tired even now in 2021 of hearing of about cavemen and primitive people i mean if we were put in the same situation as them we would instantly die yeah for me it's just like to see how people had ingenuity and uh, how yeah how creative they were with their environment and they were not just surviving they were actually living so yeah it's it's more that than like one specific thing It's interesting because sometimes also in our media, in the Western countries, they, they show some other countries from the third world as if they were living actually in, in a very primitive way, you know, in a very different way. It's the same with, with our past. Yes, totally. And it's very condescending from us. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's very funny because archaeology, it's also a, a lens through which we can look at the future and how our civilization is, is going and where it is going and all the skills we are losing. And yeah, I think it's actually a great comparison with that we look, we are so, you know, this idea of progress. I hate this word first. And, and what is progress? It doesn't mean anything. 
And why are we looking for progress? People can, they can completely live very fine without iPhone number. I don't know what. And yeah, I think we're completely blinded by digital life and, and all these modern technologies. And we lose a lot of what we are supposed to be in a way. And I think that's why I like my bones because it's very connected to, I don't know, to, to life and, and, and making things and trying to make artifacts that people were making and people were living with and, and all the, these things. And I'm also a lot in circles with uh, people that are working with uh, reviving primitive uh, crafts and skills and they can tan skins the so-called primitive way and they make tools. And I think that's uh, really fantastic. Very interesting. And I think in, uh, we can uh, finish in this very interesting note about progress. It could be the topic for another podcast. And uh, yes, yeah, so, so like, thank you very much to showing uh, our past, maybe our present in a bit different uh, light we used to see. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks to you. It was uh, very nice to talk with you. For us as well. And then uh, for the listeners, as uh, usual, you're welcome to write to us uh, your remarks and comments and ideas. And also if you think we should go more in depth in some of the areas we, we talked about. And Alessandro, as usual, uh, it was a pleasure to chat with you. Likewise. And uh, see you till next time. Bye-bye.